This is Calgary Today with Angela Cocott on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. Good Tuesday afternoon, another day down at the Calgary Stampede. And if you are planning to come down, you might be surprised by the crowds. You thought, oh, all this rain, everyone's going to stay away. No, because today, of course, we had, it's Canada 150, Canada Day 150. So up until 150 this afternoon, it was only $1.50 to get in. So I think a lot of people took advantage of that. And today is Seniors Day. So all day, anyone over 65 gets in free. And another thing to make note of, if you want to save some money between 5 and 7 tonight, admission is $5. So that's kind of the fun $5 day, another thing to keep in mind. I always think it's important to say where I am, especially for my guests, because I'm sure they're wondering where the heck is that talk show host that it is so noisy behind her. Eric Weiscott is Assistant Professor of English, Boston College. He joins us today. Hello, Eric. Hi, Angela. I'm hoping you can hear me over the din of the midway. I certainly can. I think this is a perfect topic that we're going to handle this half hour because it's Seniors Day here at the Stampede. And I bet you if I wandered up to anyone who appeared to be over 65 and asked them about the younger generation, they would probably give me an earful. And I thought it was a great conversation piece that you had in Conversation.com about that whole idea of right now it seems the target is millennials. Millennials just can't do anything right. And have I got this right? Are you a millennial? I am. I am. Yep. I was born in 1986. You're a millennial and you're an assistant professor of English uh, and you also teach millennials. That's right. Yeah, I teach over at Boston College. Uh, in Massachusetts, and um, I am a millennial. I'm an older millennial. My students are younger millennials. <laughs> but I like the fact that you said, okay, so suddenly millennials are the target. And, and give me the premise here, what you're hearing when it comes to your generation and how you've probably screwed things up for everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I, I think uh, the way it often gets expressed uh, in terms of like a think piece or, a, or an article online um, is through industries that my generation is supposedly ruining uh, by by not using, by changing habits like cereal, um, golf, department stores, napkins. That's the most common kind of story I was responding to. I haven't heard the napkin one. What have millennials done that we're blaming them for whatever's happened with the napkin industry? <laughs> um, <laughs> there's a story in Business Insider that I cited in my story. Millennials are killing the paper napkin industry. <laughs> uh, opting instead for paper towels. <laughs> oh, okay. Forget the napkins. You can just... Um, well, you know what? I'm not even a millennial, and maybe I'm part of that, too, because I just rip it off of the paper towels. But but I well, like I use the... both, so I guess I'm not, a, not <laughs> adhering to the stereotype. <laughs> All right. So here you are, though, an English professor. Specifically, though, you're, we're talking... Uh, what's your specialty when it comes to your English literature? Medieval literature, the oldest literature in English. <laughs> so... 
I, I don't know if the tongue was planted firmly in your cheek, but you said even millennials or even a generation in medieval time, the younger generation, they were blamed for things. So is that the whole idea? Is this just a generational thing, no matter if we're talking millennials or when there were the hippies? It was always the older generation who was blaming the younger generation for the all the faults of society. I think so. Uh, that, that was the, the stance I took in my piece was that really we can see a lot of these same anxieties about young people changing something that was valuable about society all the way back to the 1300s. We're going way back. Eric, I expect this to be a, a bit of a, an English lit class for us this half hour. So I, I want you to uh, actually name some of the poems you were looking at and why you are, um, you know, the argument that you're posing here with how we have blamed other generations for things. Right. Uh, the, the writer I started with is the most famous writer from my period, Jeffrey Chaucer, usually the only one people have heard of. Mm -hmm. um, so he, he uh, lived and worked in London at the end of the 14th century. And uh, several of his poems actually express various kinds of anxieties about the future uh, and what people of the future might do to or with his poems. Um, and in, in one poem, Troilus and Crusada, he talks about uh, the possibility, the, the likelihood that future generations will miscopy his poetry, mismeter it, which is a word he apparently makes up for this purpose. It's not a word in English before he uses it. Uh, so get get the meter wrong, yes. um, and uh, he basically just has this fear that his accomplishment of writing his poetry in English at the in the 14th century will be lost to history because of uh, historical change, language change, all these things. He's incredibly wrong, right? He's the father of English poetry, and I teach a class on him every other year. Um, but he was really worried about this, and I think it's analogous to people who are worried that because the napkin industry isn't doing as well, you know, society is uh, headed for doom. <laughs> I, I love the fact, though, that you're even talking about Chaucer concerned about what uh, the younger generation or the next generation is going to do with language because we see that with every generation we know that they have a, a special way of speaking they come up with their own words and I, even when i say they it drives me crazy because it makes me sound so old because i know when i was a teenager my parents would roll their eyes when there were certain things that i would say so right. I, I love the fact you're going back to 1380s or whatever with chaucer and he was just as concerned about what's going to happen with language Right. And, you know, when I teach this, uh, this literature, this, this essay I wrote really comes out of conversations with my students because I'm constantly trying to think of kind of imaginative connections between the past and the present, you know, noting that the past was different, but also that there are a lot of ways it was the same and seeing if there are kind of connections in for students. Um, so I often actually describe Chaucer himself as uh, an urban hipster. <laughs> Um, so he, he, in various ways, could have scandalized people who were older than him. So it's all recursive. <laughs> well, yeah. Can you imagine someone older than Chaucer saying, what word is mismeter? Where'd you come up with that? Right, right. You exactly. Know? Exactly. Oh, okay, that's Chaucer. And as you say, most people would at least be kind of familiar with him. Give me another writer or poet that you um, use this comparison saying nothing really has changed. 
Right. Uh, the other named poet, so a lot of literature at this time is anonymous. The other named poet is William Langland, who wrote Piers Plowman. Uh, slightly earlier uh, poem, so he's maybe maybe the same generation as Chaucer, maybe one generation earlier. Um, and uh, in this very long, complex religious and political poem, there's one moment at which a character in the poem uh, launches into a lament about um, how basically education isn't what it used to be. And uh, one of the examples is that there's no one around anymore who can really make uh, fine, metered poetry, by which this character probably means poetry in Latin, not English. Mm. Uh, or the other the other lament is that there's no one around who can readily interpret what poets made. So also there there are no good readers of poetry around anymore. Not just that there are no good writers. And this is I probably just, like the 1370s. Yeah. Can you imagine if they lived today in our Twitter sphere <laughs> with 140 characters and what people have done with spelling and language? It's pretty crazy. I want to take a break here because. Uh, we're focusing here on language, and I think that a lot of my listeners, if there was a complaint that they have about the younger generation, it would be what they've done to our language, but also what they've done to relationships. And my guest, Eric, is going to be able to look, dust off some of his books and find that, you know what, again... Things haven't changed that much. Eric Weiscott is Assistant Professor of English, Boston College, 403-974-8255. After my conversation with Eric, I'm going to share some of your concerns that you have about the younger generation. I'm Angela Cocott. You're listening to Calgary Today. We're back after this. My guest this half hour has a different take on a really old argument about the younger generation, no matter what, whether it's the millennials, the hippies, the... And, I mean, the baby boomers at one point, they were the hippies, and now they're the baby boomers who are critical of the millennials or the Gen Xers. Whatever is the younger generation, it seems that people take aim at them and blame them for everything. But Eric Weiscott is an assistant professor of English medieval English at Boston College and he's telling us that this really is nothing new and I love the fact that you've taken some medieval English authors and you've said look even back then they were concerned about the younger generation but I uh, before the break I said we, we often talk about the language and that's a, a common concern even today but I know I've heard myself say, I don't know what's going to happen with kids and their relationships. And it's because of technology that I worry about how they're going to communicate and what that means to the relationship. But, Eric, you're telling me, and that's a really old argument. They've always been concerned about what's happened with relationships, aren't you? It is. And uh, one really striking example is that uh, Thomas Mallory, uh, compiler of the Mort Darthur in the late 15th century, was really worried that uh, young people or just people of his time uh, had basically ruined relationships and sex. Um, he has his narrator of the Mort Darthur complain that uh, young lovers jump into bed right away, and then he says, but the old love was not so. And he's writing about King Arthur, so he doesn't mean like it was good a generation ago. He means 900 years ago it was good, and, and now it's really not. Did, wait, did he actually use the word young people jumping into bed? No, there must no, have been fancier word. words than that. Yes. Uh, I would have taken no. more medieval English if there were words like that and I could understand them. 
<laughs> but the, the, the gist of it was that they were jumping into relationships or into sexual relationships too quickly. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, okay, but that is also, as I say, I might be concerned about what the younger generation is going to be dealing with, with their relationships. But is this just me being an old person and not accepting that things are always changing around us? Yeah, so the, I think to me the takeaway from these comparisons is that uh, things really are changing. I think people are correct to say that millennials represent various kinds of change, um, potential change, ongoing change. Yeah. But I think the mistake is to think that we can predict what that change will look like. If you look back at these medieval texts, they were right. You know, the world they lived in was disappearing in a sense, but they, they had no uh, real kind of nuanced understanding of what the future would look like. And I don't think we do either. And so we try to hold on to that, but we don't recognize that that's going to happen and we've just got to accept it and probably the younger generation represents that change maybe that's that's why they're such an easy target i think so and you know this is something that millennials individually as a group in in various social configurations are also actively trying to figure out you know we we don't have it all figured out either we don't have some you know master plan that we voted on in the millennial senate <laughs> the millennial senate but but i think and and part of your article was even touching on this but i think oftentimes and when i open up the phone lines or open up the text i probably will have people saying that the this generation they're lazy they don't work really hard they've had everything handed to them on a, a silver platter and yet you're probably saying those kind of arguments have been around forever they have. They have. Um, if I could sort of venture a general analysis, I think that um, part of the the reason behind those kinds of um, impressions is that the kind of, if we think of the prototypical uh, baby boomer, at least, that, that we think of today, that person is, is a middle class person. And if you think of the prototypical millennial, it tends to be uh, an upper middle class or wealthy person. And that's that's, I think, the, the media's doing, is kind of making this class distinction between the generations. But, of course, there are middle-class, poor, and wealthy people in both generations. Um, right. So I, I think those kinds of stereotypes might be most apt for particularly wealthy people that appear often in media or, uh, you know, work in Hollywood, let's say. But that, Like, are you, you saying know, the, the Kardashians? Oh, uh, the Kardashians, um, I don't know, Girls, Lena Dunham's Girls, a show that I enjoy, but, you know, it's, it's portraying a certain kind of um, extremely privileged lifestyle. Um, right. And, and so I, I think that, uh, you know, the real, the real story of the millennial generation so far is, is um, extreme disillusionment with the political process uh, based on the Iraq War, the Great Recession, the bank bailout. I mean, we've just seen government fail, and not just one party in the U.S., but both. Um, and so I think that's, to me, that's the context, uh, yeah. not so much, you know, what, uh, what it's like to be uh, living in New York City underemployed after going to an elite college. 
You know what, uh, Eric, and you, you may be taking it from the U.S. perspective, but it would be similar for uh, Canadian millennials as well. Mm-hmm. They've gone through mm-hmm. as much, and um, and they're still looking at an uncertain future. So, uh, right. so glad you you raised it in uh, a different way, and I, I'm glad uh, I was able to find out more about Chaucer. Well, thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks again. You take care. All right. Take care. Eric Weiscott, he's assistant professor of English at Boston College. I got a few minutes here because from 3.30 to 4, definitely I'm opening up the phone lines to another conversation. And it's one that, well, we might have to even start earlier because, of course, as you've heard in the news, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, after earlier hearing that his schedule was too full for him to come to the Calgary Stampede. He is going to be coming on Saturday. So I definitely want to hear from you on that. I was hoping I could do that at 3.30. But um, I just thought I've got a couple of minutes left here. 403-974-8255. Do you ever find yourself saying things like kids these days or they don't know how hard I had it They've got it way too easy. And when, if we were really honest with ourselves, probably when we were teenagers, well, I know it. I know my parents and the generation ahead of me was questioning my decisions and thought I had it way too easy. And you know what? In a way, I think that's just the way life is. We, we are always changing and technology is changing things for us and making things easier. And uh, for those people who are older, they're looking back and saying, yeah, you do have it easier. But, you know, we're, we're still forgetting kind of the, the teenager or the young person inside of us. 403-974-8255. Oh, and someone says, Ange, please help me with the definition of a millennial. And I think it would be anyone who's born in the late 80s to the late 90s. I think that's the actual generation, and I can specifically find that out for you. But it is kind of in that the late 80s to the late 90s would be that the generation of millennials um one here troy says i turned 50 in september way to go troy i have one thing to say to the younger generation (laughs) and it's been said to them since the beginning of humanity get off my lawn see isn't that the great thing about finally turning in your 50s and it's like great i finally get to say the things that people said to me when i was younger but troy i would like to think that you also realize that yeah you know what Uh, every generation is going to have their critics and i also say that uh, there are some great young people out there as as eric even said his students the they're they're not we can't lump everyone in with one experience you've had and i think that's the problem uh let's see here one more if i can just squeeze it in here um oh there are documents from ancient Mesopotamia that claim the pace of life is too fast. <laughs> Good text to leave on. 403-974-8255. Here's the question. If you were to be down at the grounds or at a barbecue on Saturday and you ran into Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, what would you say? 403-974-8255. Remember, though, that we're polite Westerners. We're back after this. Calgary Today with Angela Cocott, weekdays at 3 on News Talk 770 Calgary.